Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. So, when was the last time you had a good thing about the Samaritans and wondered if you were one of them? Well, I don't necessarily mean one of those from the Samaritans that you read about in Scripture, like the Good Samaritan or the Samaritan woman at the well. But maybe you're a Samaritan anyway. Let me explain. Samaritans, and I'll have to give you the generally accepted version, all right, because there are a lot of ifs, ands, and buts about this, and historians, as they should be, are still working on this puzzle about who are the Samaritans. But generally, it is understood that whenever Israel was taken into captivity, we know about the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity, that they, not all of them left. Uh, their conquerors just wanted their kings, the, you know, the useful people, the people of class and society, who had skills and they took them. They wanted to take enough people so that the society could not function and rebuild whenever they left. And so 60 to 70 to 80% of the people were left behind, but with no structure and no guidance. These people for generations then did what people do. They plowed, they harvested, they, they had crops and they had uh, flocks. They married, they apportioned land to each other because this was their new reality. And then after generations, with, and with no warning, there's no internet, no newspaper, no warning, here the Jews come back and they want their land back and they want to be back in power. And, but wait a minute, weren't the people who left, were left behind Jews as well? Well, yes, they were. But by the time the Jewish people who were captive came back, they had radically changed. And the group that was left behind had radically changed. And while there are those that really want to fight this point, it seems that one of the sticking points was that the Samaritans had intermarried with people who were not of Israel or Judah. And that's a big no-no to the standard order of the time. Another big reason that there were clashes is because well, the Jews have been gone, so the Samaritans, again, used to be Jews, still are Jews in any meaningful sense, just not religiously aligned anymore, and I'll tell you why in a bit. They had been using that land, and now all of a sudden to be shoved out, you can't live in this house anymore because we're back for our land. And by the way, the returning captives had a very good point in that the polity under which these people had lived forever was that land did not leave the family. And so that belonged to them. They had the right of return, which is still an official uh, tenant and a, and a legal term in Israel today. So that caused all kinds of tension. But there was something else that caused a huge amount of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. And while the Samaritans were the Jews, we're not going to talk about that anymore because it just adds time, all right? The Samaritans held firmly to the scriptures they had 
which were the scriptures the Jews had when they were taken to captivity. But when the Jews were in captivity, they wrote more. They wrote prophecies. Uh, there are different appearances of prophets. There were, um, even when they come back, they're writing. Ezra and Nehemiah are writing. The Chronicles are written sometime during this period. So whenever they come back, their Bible is a lot bigger than the Samaritans' Bible. Now the Samaritans then accused the Jews of using false scriptures. These, these aren't the same scriptures as when you left. And we only followed these books of Moses. And Moses is our father and Jacob is our father. Well, as you can imagine, that created all kinds of tension between them. And both sides felt that it was a moral obligation to despise the other, to disapprove actively of the other. You don't eat with them. You don't do business with them. You don't even walk in their territory so that their dust will defile you. And that family enmity, a family fight, riled up by both sides having very legitimate issues. The returning Jews, wait, this is our land. This is, you. we have the right to be right back here. The Samaritans, who are you? You've, you've picked up all kinds of ideas and your scriptures are as long or longer than the ones that we have and you've changed everything. We're the true people of God. This is why the Samaritan woman at the well was able to do some theological arguing with Jesus. You know, our fathers say we're supposed to worship over here. They literally were following their scriptures, which was just fine until the Jews come back and they had a bunch more books. Now, to make this even worse by the time of Jesus, they, um, the Jews would once again travel, but this time into northern Egypt and around there as uh, Philip Jenkins' amazing book, uh, Crucible of Faith, details, they worked hard on their scriptures editing, changing bits and pieces, making things uh, added to, take away. And that's where we get the Septuagint, of course, but we get a ton of the writings were put together in that intertestamental period, which is often called the 400 years of silence. And I just don't like that term at all. Uh, it's as if God took a nap between Malachi and John the Baptist. And I don't get that. However, when the Jews then are back, what do they do? They have these scriptures that are very different than the Samaritans, and they both despise each other. There are a lot of good books about how to take the lessons of that conflict and apply them to us. And Jesus, of course, in the way that he treated Samaritans and his story about the Good Samaritan, absolutely endorsed reaching across all borders and loving all people regardless of their religious difference or their ethnic differences. But I want to turn this on its head a little bit. Oh, by the way, if you want to read a really nice book with a very strange title, Josh Graves wrote a book years ago, How Not to Kill a Muslim. I know it sounds offensive, but he didn't pick that title. Muslim friends of his picked that title for his book. And it is an amazing book about love and the Good Samaritan and what we can learn from it. So look that one up if you would. Uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate that and I think you'll like the book. That's not the story. Here's the story. It was about a year ago that my wife and I drove to Colorado and we have friends out there and, and Colorado is where she's from. We stop somewhere midway 
which generally means somewhere in eastern Kansas or almost out of Missouri. And this time we were in Lawrence, Kansas. Now, you, Lawrence, Kansas is a fine town, but it's not a big town and it's not famous outside of basketball circles. And you wouldn't expect it to be on the cutting edge of everything, but you would be wrong. My wife and I checked into our hotel and there were no restaurants around us. Uh, and so we decided, let's just go to the main street of Lawrence because we've been told there are restaurants all over the place. And there were, and they were very nice. Well, as we went into a restaurant, the people again were nice to us, but not effusive. Maybe it's because they're not from the South, but I have that feeling there's something else going on, which I'll tell you about in a bit. They ushered Cammie and I right on a window, right by the sidewalk, the pavement, where people, it's a, it's a college town. And so people are bustling, they're moving. So we're eating our food. We're both looking out the window and neither of us had commented on something. And that is that everybody in the restaurant had tattoos, piercing, and oddly colored hair. And pretty much everybody walking by us had tattoos, piercings. Uh, what to us, and again, I have to stress, to us seemed strange and weird hair, or they were wearing t-shirts with political slogans that we wouldn't have been comfortable wearing. And after a while, I looked at my wife and I said, sweetie, here's the thing. We're the weirdos. And she looked around and she said, yeah, we are. We're the ones that stick out. We're the ones that are not joining in. We're the strange people. And you could see people almost do a double take as they walked by to see these two old white people who were as straight as their grandparents, it's, you know, in, in appearance and behavior and the like, what are they doing here? And it just reminded me of this. Everybody has Samaritans in their life, a person or a group of people that if you were being very honest in the dark of night with your God, you would admit you, you just aren't comfortable around them. You just don't care for them and their decisions. But here's the other side of that. Everybody is somebody else's Samaritan. We were the Samaritans on that street. We were the ones that caused disease among others, not disease, dis-ease, unease, if you really want to opt out there. We were the ones that um, would, would scare them a little bit if we said, hey, can we just talk to you and visit with you a bit? because they don't want to get trapped in a conversation with somebody who looks like this. And I get it. Every so often, uh, I, I'm reminded that I can be somebody else's Samaritan and, and not mean it. My mother, God bless her, 91 years old, going on 15. And out of all of the accomplishments and degrees and jobs I do, she's only proud of one of them. And she always uses to me the word I wish she wouldn't use. She'll introduce me to people immediately. He's a preacher. Well, the word preacher, if you don't know this, in many places has picked up uh, not a great reputation as a person who might not be terribly moral himself, but who uh, yells at others. Some people prefer evangelist or like, and I, I just prefer my first name, or you can call me pastor 
that that'll do because that has a different connotation but sometimes whenever she says preacher I'll look in the other people's eyes and there's this little shift and I'm going I'm the Samaritan and I get it I get it but then there are other times and I will not give you examples of this because why why would you do that look in your own life but there are times in my life that I'll see something and immediately become a little bit judgmental harsh or unforgiving in my heart and I pray God that I catch myself every time I fear that I might not but I catch myself as as quickly as I can saying stop it if they're your Samaritan it's not their fault you need to reach across you need to befriend the very one you thought originally you might have had a duty to despise a duty to divide a duty to judge not anymore because Christ has come to save all we are to love all to love our neighbor as ourselves and that's what led to the story of the Good Samaritan when people said yeah but sure what's your neighbor and he said those very people that make you terribly uncomfortable those people that you do not agree with religiously at all and you think their doctrines bad you think their morality is bad you don't want their kids going to school with your kids and you love them like you love yourself and love God ooh so when I was a younger man and my little girl saw somebody do something on the street which was really not smart I said something to her that I would really like to have had a time to rephrase but I was young and I I'm kind of gifted at being a jerk if I don't catch myself and she looked at me she goes why did they do that and I said honey God made a lot of idiots and we're not going to run out we drove about a block and God's kicking me in the head the whole time and I turned to her and I said and Kata, um, everybody gets a turn being the idiot including us well everybody has Samaritans and we have to work at that until they are no longer Samaritans but our brothers and sisters but while we do so it may humble us and it may help us to remember we are someone else's Samaritan hmm things to think about this week we'll see you next time